Hello, my dotlings. Um, and I froze up. Sorry about that. Introduce yourself. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm Mark Henry, uh, author, uh, cultist, YouTube content creator, uh, and Etsy store owner, I guess, if you want to add all that in there. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your book. Like, Okay. So uh, my book uh, came out in uh, 2015 and what it is, it's called uh, Dancing with Energy, Healing Magic and Mysticism. And that it is essentially about Reiki, which there are a lot of different types of Reiki. This is about the original one, which when people say Reiki, this is usually what they mean. Uh, so it's the Yushi system of natural healing. It's the one from which all the other offshoots have come from. So the book is about that, and it's about how it kind of connects to um, spirit guides, um, occult type of stuff, magic. So it starts with kind of the basis of what Reiki is and kind of goes into all those different areas. So it covers a lot of a lot of different topics. So it kind of ties. So it ties in multiple systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I like to have like kind of a holistic understanding of things. So I don't want it to be just about healing, but I wanted to also um, connect it with people that who are into magic and all these other things and see, hey, this is somewhat related to it. And I could probably benefit from learning it and uh, getting involved. Interesting. Yeah. I really like that. I did like, okay. So I, I went to your Etsy store and I saw that you have, you sell attunements to yes. different spirits and gods and all sorts of entities, I guess would be a good word for it. Perfect word for it. Yeah. How does that, how does that work? Like, what is that? I know what an attunement is for Reiki. Yes. And that's how, um, you know, the evolution of, of my work, you know, started with Reiki and an attunement, um, as you know, and as some of your listeners know, is the spiritual initiation that leads to being able to carry the energy and vibration of Reiki so that you can use it for healing purposes. The attunement itself is done by a Reiki master or a, not really, and when I say master, I don't mean an expert necessarily. It just means a teacher, someone who's gone to the third level and right. they know how to pass these attunements. So what they do is to kind of go, if they're live, for example, they right. might come up from behind them and draw magical healing symbols um, and, you know, send them into their chakras and their aura. And by doing these sorts of things, it allows the, um, the Reiki energy to kind of be in alignment with them so that they can carry it. And they basically, it's a, a gift. I like to think of it that you can um, use for the rest of your life. It, um, it doesn't go away unless you do go through a practice of, you know, taking it off, but it's kind of like a tattoo, right? right? It'll be with you for the rest of your life and you want to get, unless you want to get lasered off. So, so to get, to answer your question, uh, with the spirits, what that involved is me sort of connecting with these spirits, receiving the attunement from them and then passing it on to someone else. So you might say, well, what does that even mean? Because we're talking about Reiki before and now we're talking about spirits. Um, what that means is, it, is that if you think of the spirit of the spirit. So that if you had like, let's say Jupiter, for example, the, right. the, the Roman God or the planetary energy, what that would mean would be that when someone would um, activate that energy after the attunement, they could, that energy would now, instead of having to do evocations or invocations from Jupiter externally, they would have the attunement so that they can do it and it, it would, the energy would immediately pass through them. The essence of Jupiter, like I said, the spirit of Jupiter, and they can take that energy and do things with it. Uh, one of the things that I love about this type of thing is that Magic to me isn't even the, the the best part of it. Is that let's say that you were somebody who was shy 
um, introverted and you wanted to be to mix with people, you wanted to talk with people, you want to be more extroverted. Uh, Jupiter is about magnification and being big. So you can actually take that energy and use it to help yourself. And you can walk into a room and you can be like a king or a queen uh, carrying that energy. So that's the cool part. The other part, of course, is, you know, you can take that energy, manipulate it and send it off to bring you um, money. Of course, that's what Jupiter is, is known for, what most people use it for magic. But I think the psychological and spiritual uh, value of these things is um, amazing. Amazing. I was going to say, because I've got walking into a room and controlling the, the energy down, but the making the money I'm working on. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, there is, uh, there are many different factors that affect, um, you know, our personal finances, the economy and everything. So uh, everything that we can get in our toolbox to kind of edge things in our favor right. um, is very helpful. So that's what kind of the attunement is in a nutshell. So I have various entities uh, that will do a specific things. And I try to cater to a large audience. There are certain people that like more of the light side. Some people like slightly more of the dark side. Yeah. And so I put people, um, sometimes people even uh, message me on Etsy. I get a lot of messages and it actually takes a lot of time to sometimes um, answer these. And I'm so happy to do it. Uh, and they'll say, well, this is, this is what I'm like and this is what I want. What would you recommend? And if, you know, sometimes they'll say, well, I'm, I'm just more of a light person. So I might recommend something on the angelic side right? Uh, based on that intention. And I've been getting some good feedback and some good, uh, I guess, testimonials on my Etsy saying um, that people like it and, and that sort of thing. Um, I'm actually um, pleasantly surprised that um, it has become as popular um, as it is because it's still fairly new. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I've never seen it done before because, like, I mean, I'm pretty worldly when it comes to the psychic realm, I like to think. Um, mm -hmm. And I've never seen, like, I I've seen attunements through Reiki, but I'd never seen one where you would involve a spirit. But that makes sense. It's mm -hmm. almost like a, a assisted invocation. Yeah. Yeah, it cuts it cuts out a lot of work and, and time if people don't want to go for, for that. Now, um, that being said, another benefit of it is that let's say that you just naturally have a an, an affinity for Jupiter. Jupiter, you can right. kind of use that energy to connect with Jupiter, and as a way of you know having um, conversations and um, you know that sort of thing. So that's another reason for it. Um, so I, I joke with people because uh, sometimes some spirits want offerings and they're saying, well, do you need an offering? And um, I, I joke about this and I don't know how true it is. I, I kind of say, well, you might be the offering. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I can see that. I can see that. It's like, well, either you make the offering or you're the offering. Like, cause right. you don't set the boundaries of the deal. You can't be upset when that when the bill comes due. Yeah, um, the good news is that um, I've put in. I've when people get the uh, the attunement, I have a, a a manual. So there are safeguards and things in place so that you know, like I, I joke, but that doesn't really happen. Um, one of the things you can do, I give a process for getting rid of the attunement if you don't want it, if it's not for you. And you right. have a particular entity and he's like, uh, you know, I just don't like the feel of this vibration. So <laughs> things go sideways and you got to get out. The right. Button. Your escape hatch like in Star Wars. Uh, so there's that. And then another thing is that I tell people that if they feel uncomfortable, I said, you know, sometimes we feel uncomfortable with that, which is unfamiliar. So you might want to give it a couple weeks and try to work with it a little bit at a time. Uh, because sometimes people aren't getting the things in their lives because it's it's uncomfortable going in the direction that it would require. Right. That makes so, sense. Yes. That actually makes a lot of sense. 
So I tell people to give it a shot. And if, you know, you still don't like it after a few weeks, if it still just not doesn't resonate with you, then, um, you know, just take it off. That's, you know, that's sound advice. Actually, I'm kind of glad you included a, a safety net. Yeah, yeah. I still believe that in the universe, you know, um, that there is consent for everything and that, you know, you can't, I, in order to pass these things, I have to take these things into myself. Right. And so I get a feeling for every single thing and nothing, of course, has happened to me. So I feel very safe offering this uh, to people. Right. Yeah, because you got to take care of yourself first. You can't sure. help other sure. people if you're not taking care of yourself. That makes sense. Um, so you've also got a YouTube channel. Yes. And yes. This is like, because this is probably going to be the bulk of the conversation. I'll make sure you get the advertising Perfect. out early. But uh, I know we talked about as fellow YouTubers and in the cult realm, dealing with uh, shadow people. Yes, the shadow people. I tell you what, now I've had some run-ins where like, so where do you draw the line between like, I guess I know there's different types because I know mm -hmm. I've had people who were just kind of stalking in the room where it felt like there was just a vague shadow in the room. And then I've had them come up and touch me. Really? Yeah. Like okay. the, um, like the sleeping hag syndrome or old hag syndrome, I think is what yeah, they call uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've gotten uh, plenty of reports from people on my YouTube channel who have that. Um, my personal uh, belief is that the shadow people um, are more watchers and they're more observers. You know, um, we would like to tell them, you know, to mind their own business, but apparently they can't. Uh, I wonder, like, you know, I've always kind of wondered if they're not getting some sort of energy transfer, like almost like a hungry ghost thing. I think so. That's what was going to be my next point um, that a lot of from my research and um, brief personal experiences that I find them um, to be there, that part of it is observing. Part of it is provocation. Right. Yeah. Because they definitely the, I know that when I run into even just the ones that just stalk around in the room and kind of peek at you, they're constantly, you get that feeling of staring. Yeah. I think that they know what they're doing. Um, and uh, I believe that um, when we are frightened, which is natural to be frightened um, of a random black spirit that just gets close to us right. is that that fear is that that's what they're going for. That's for, that's what they feed off of. You know, I've um, always kind of thought that they did feed off. That. It makes sense that they would feed off that energy. I mean, it's because they've got to get some sort of sustenance to continue existing. And with them being like, I've always kind of wondered how they got started, because I don't feel like they're necessarily like dead people. No, no. I, um, I think they're almost like their own independent species. But um, I think you're right. Who knows how they where they came from as far as their um, their origin. Uh but the, the, the feeding makes perfect sense to me because it, it, it makes me think, okay, so everything in the universe has a direction. Um, you know, what, what is its investment? Why be there if it's just going to observe? And I think that this would be um, the reason. Right. They're not, they're, not, they're not here to help us. I mean, they're not here to they're encourage us or, or anything like that. That's apparent. Right. They, they just, they just sit and watch and stare and you just kind of like have, to, I always kind of wondered about this because I think like getting rid of them is almost like you get rid of any other dark energy and they always seem to lurk in the corners. And I've kind exactly. of, got this, I've got this theory that there are, that they're thought forms, like just rampant thought forms, completely uncontrolled. You think about it, like you, you walk by your corner and because it's oh they always seem to be negative like they're just like an amalgamation of dirty energy they're not really strong enough to do anything except annoy witches and scare bitches <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what's interesting what, what i was thinking of when you were talking about them corners is um there there is a, a theory that I don't know if all spirits, but certain spirits uh, collect at certain points. 
So when you see them in a corner where two walls meet, that is the reason why um, certain um, occult activity happens at crossroads. It's because that's where spirits uh, interface. It's almost like they're, the thought is that um, they're used to moving in, in straight lines. And when they come to a meeting point, they can temporarily um, get like stuck. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting. We're talking about planes and things like that of. All right. I love, I love to talk about liminal spaces. Like you don't get to talk. Nobody really talks about liminal spaces, like your windows and your doors. It always seems like, cause windows and doors, the face seem to be more interested in those. And it does seem like these dark spirits. I've noticed like, here's the thing. Like I have a black dog. And this is part of where my theory comes from, because there will literally be darkness in the corner from where all his black fur has gathered. And I'm like, and it seems like when it's dirtier, when the environment's uh, less controlled, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. when, my, when my room is dirty, when there's a bunch of dog hair in the corner is what I'm more likely to see them. Yeah, now we're about to open up a whole other type of, of, of a subject too, because not only we're talking about corners, but we're talking about um, like filth and dirtiness and things like that. I don't know if you've ever studied jinn, but the jinn are said, according to their myths, to um, once they came to Earth, they exist in unclean places, bathrooms, abandoned houses. Um, when you're talking about corners and dirt and stuff like that, there was a, an occult author who uh, recently died. I think it was Rosemary Gilly, I believe, who, mm -hmm. who believed that there was a connection between these jinn and the shadow people. Uh, that this, the jinn and the shadow people, one of the things that they, well, the, the jinn are, are said to be able to shape, to shape shift. So it's one of the reasons why um, she believed that these shadow people can disappear like that. So it felt like there may be some type of connection or they may be one in the same, like the gen who are just changing into different, different forms. You know what? Um, that actually, you know, if we're going to start tying some crazy stuff together, I notice that when I go and do house cleansings and things like that, the basement and the attic, the places that get the least amount of, attention mm -hmm. always seem to be the places where the like the dark energy will well up and like even if you watch a lot of the like the ghost hunting shows mm -hmm. it's always like there's always something creepy in the basement we found out first that in the basement something weird happened in the basement around you know and i've also thought it was like because we're going that the filth and the corners it's always like there's places where there's less attention paid like they have to gather yeah, yeah, I believe there's something to that. Uh, this may be just me talking myself into cleaning my room again. <laughs> Which I did yesterday, but you can't tell again. Yeah, that's one of my favorite um, subjects, too, is talking about the, um, the gin, um, because they're very, also very feared by people. Um, I've got a, quite a few people who are of the Muslim faith who believe that uh, the jinn are torturing them and ruining um, their lives. And according to uh, their tradition, there's a special uh, priest uh, to get the jinn off. And it's a, a big, long, extensive process. And um, there's a lot of uh, fear around the jinn as, as being a reputation of being very powerful and not being friendly towards um, human beings. Um, they have um, the idea, and it sounds kind of like um, Lucifer in the sense right. that, you know, Lucifer being cast down to earth because of being disobedient, not wanting to be um, subservient to man. Right. There is a similar um, idea in the Quran uh, and that the head um, entity who became a jinn that's one of the reasons why they're very oppositional towards man and why uh, in order to conjure and use a gen, you have to uh, get in touch with the um, gen king. And it's one of those things where you have to have a lot of protection because they're very unwieldy. 
You know, that's interesting, because I don't know a lot about gin. I, it's a subject I'm interested in, but I've just had a lot of other stuff. Life. And I have stuck, honestly, mostly to, you know, Western magic. But I do see a lot of correlation between, like, the gin and demons. Especially when it comes to, because I know that they're supposed to be spirits of fire. Correct. That always kind of that always kind of stood out to me. But the, and of course they are malicious. Like even if you read about them, um, and see, there's a story in the Arabian Nights, mm -hmm. a thousand tales, um, where it talks about the jinn who'd been trapped in a in a. Uh, it was it was a, I don't know if it was a lamp or just a vase or something. I can't remember the story right off the top of my head, but basically he'd been trapped for so long. He's like the first thousand years I would give whoever saved me gold and then so on and so forth. And the last one he's like, I will kill whoever opens this now. I'm like, Well, that's a shitty way to thank somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe that they're um it said they're bone they're born of smokeless fire, which um some people believe, like the physicists who believe that's plasma, like there's some type of hotter than fire. Uh, so. Interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. I think born uh, men born of earth, angels of light, and gen of smokeless fire. That's, yeah, I think that's what I'd heard. I would definitely like to learn more about gin, like, because everybody thinks about gin because gin, we call a lot of people call them genies. Right. Like that's the probably the bastardized English name. I don't know exactly where that word begins, but like you think about the genie and the lamp, but they were they were not cool. <laughs> Is there a difference between gin and genies? Because I'd always heard like the gin were basically free range and genies were like trapped, like they were bound to something. You know, I don't know the connection between a genie and gin. I know that there is some type of connection. Um, I know the genies are, you know, in the bottle, according to the old, um, you know, the stories and three wishes. Um, going back, getting back to the horror movies we were talking about, when I think of the gin, I think of the Wishmaster, the old um, 90s movies where yeah. it was kind of like the movie Saw, where, okay, you ask a wish, and fine, you're going to get your wish, but you're going to get it in the worst possible way. Yeah, you, that always careful what you ask for kind of magic. Right. You, you're probably going to have to sacrifice something like your body or your life or um, something like that. Yeah, it's like a good old-fashioned monkey paw story. <laughs> Those will keep you up at night, especially as a magic worker, especially the first time when spell goes awry, you know, because I think everybody's had at least one casting go completely like, did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> like Steve Urkel, did I do that? Did, did I yeah. Do that? yeah. I've been fortunate for the most part, but there's been like a couple times I've been like, did these things correlate? Did I just really screw up? Yeah. And, you know, life is so complex, you know, sometimes, I mean, you really have to do a little bit of uh, your own card reading or intuition in order to figure out, you know, when things like that, when your magic goes wrong, you know, is this random? Did I do this? Is this just, you know, um, the, the right, the life with multiple variables and this is just what I got. You never know. Karma, you know? Right. You know, because you really sometimes don't know, because if you're not careful, if you don't bind down that unintended um, effect, magic take will take the easiest path. Exactly. Closest uh, points to straight line type of thing. Closest distance, you know, straight line. I see your doggy. Mine is crying outside the door because yeah, I locked him out. Yeah, he's walking around um, too much, and so I had to hold him for a second. Because I'm worried about him going to different parts of the house and causing havoc. Yeah, I heard him knocking stuff around. I'm actually about to let my dog in because he is crying so bad. No, I don't know if it's picking up on audio, but he just sits out and whines. Yeah, I'm going to put up, um, secure him in here too. There, is that better? You can hear whining a death tail here. There we go. 
best Luther. Everyone loves a Luther, baby. Right, you know what? Well, he's off the camera. I'll we'll get some Luther time. Say hello, Luther. There you go. There's Luther. There's Peanut. The Regal Miss Nut. <laughs> so, what type of um, dog is he? He is a good old fashioned uh, country dog. Okay. <laughs> he's a. Um... Yeah, West Virginia black dog. Oh, I, call, a, I like a, to call him a labramut. Labramut, okay. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I like Labradors. They're very sweet and um, loyal. He's, a, he's one of the best dogs I've ever had. Like, hands down, I would have, I think that, because he's a mutt, like his mom looked like a boxer. Mm-hmm. We thought that she'd gotten, uh, we thought that the, the dog that she had mated with was a uh, German Shepherd. And the whole litter came out looking like labs. Like, some of them were chocolate and some of them were black labs, but they were all labs looking. Yeah, Knight, my dog, he's an American Eskimo. Um, sometimes I'm on the patio um, right outside, boarding my yard, and there's a, a door with um, a glass. It's made of glass. And sometimes he's, he's video bombed me, uh, uh, several times going and looking at me, seeing where I was, you know, I, you know, maybe looking to see if I'm delivering good quality content, uh, <laughs> but we've had, um, people who, you know, this is my fault. Um, since it borders the yard, you cut the grass, of course, you know, you have dust and dirt and stuff that go through the air and sometimes it would cling to the glass. So it was, the glass uh, wasn't completely clean. So he went and looked one time and then I got a whole bunch of uh, messages on my YouTube channel saying, I see a spirit. There's a spirit <laughs> behind you. And it was, it was just night looking. And then he, then he went away, of course, you know, so it was him, you know, not like a, a spirit that's about, you know, two feet tall. So I've run into those too, but yeah, no, dogs will totally, I tell you what, I do think that like dogs, most animals, but especially like dogs and turtles seem to just like ignore that whole boundary between this world and the next. They just like, okay, well, we're going to go out and run and we may end up on the astral field. We may end up in the neighbor's house. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll get back home. So uh, your dog is very good at detecting um, entities in your house and that sort of thing or near For you? For the most part, I think he's just kind of made friends with them. Um, I don't have a whole lot of spirits that really live or, well, pardon me, but it, you stay in the house. Like there's just like we've got one little fella. He's about he is about two foot tall. And uh, I don't know what his story is. I don't think he was ever human. Mm. and but like outside the house i've got like i've got like fey neighbors and there's definitely a land spirit that seems to get along with the dogs but every now and then i don't know if the the, the land spirit gets like angry but the whole forest will go quiet like you won't hear anything out there i'm like even <laughs> even the meth heads that walk the street aren't out <laughs> Yeah, the meth, the, the meths, uh, the meth um, addicts are very f familiar with the shadow people. Right, they are the shadow people. Like, <laughs> I've, uh, you, but they're like, because the shadow people, you, they don't ever seem to have had like, there's no sapphire tear, you know, there's, or, yeah, I think that's what it's called. There's no like soul in them. I don't, I don't ever see like the reflection of a soul in them. Like, the meth heads, I think they they can still be saved. But um, I do notice, like, they it's almost like they're possessed. Like, you know, the country was obsessed with zombie movies at the time when they really started to come down around here, the opioid epidemic, the meth epidemic around here. And it seemed like it almost coincided with all these zombie movies. I'm like... Really? Yeah. I never, I never knew that. It was weird. I'm like, people keep worrying about the zombie apocalypse while it's going down around us. Because mm. they are completely, I mean, they go, they're almost not human sometimes. Like, they they don't sleep. They just keep moving. They they act very strangely. Very, and sometimes very aggressively. So I'm like, okay, well, this fits most of the parameters. 
Yeah, that's a um, that's a horrible drug. It is horrible, and it's it's horrible to see. I don't know. Let's change the subject. But that like <laughs> uh, my zombie apocalypse movie theory. I don't know what happened there, but I feel like the nation summoned the zombies. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um... I can't say I've really gotten into zombies. It's not my favorite monsters. It's probably still I'm old school vampire. Uh, <laughs> yeah. stuff, a little bit of werewolves. I, you know, it is interesting to watch how like horror movie monsters have evolved. Cause like the zombies, go back to the zombies because the Haitian zombies, which is really rare to see in movies, but like, you know, the serpent, serpent and the rainbow. rainbow, white zombie. Um, there's only like a couple others where they have like the Haitian zombies where they're, people who are basically dead brought back to life they they always find i find those interesting because they're they are real you know that <laughs> crap happened to people yes it's a true story yeah but um so folks go watch serpent in the rainbow yes serpent in the rainbow it'll it'll affect you it has i mean especially if you go through and like learn a little bit about Haitian history because the the political characters are talking about in the movie were real they <laughs> they ruled their uh they ruled Haiti with fear and voodoo mhm mm so it's actually a very interesting movie sorry ADHD i will take this conversation everywhere <laughs> no that's fine we're doing we're doing great my public has come to expect it of me <laughs> mm. so um i definitely want to go back like the whole see where we go shadow people we were on shadow people yeah the um one of the most popular characters in the um shadow people um i don't know not fandom or something in the whole I, mythology is the hat man that's the one that um seems to be the catch people's attention the most you know the fedora you know, yeah, the tall okay. man. The tall man. You know, I actually ran into a spirit that was mimicking that. No, I don't think he was doing no Like, I don't think the guy, the, he had lived in a house that had been torn down. And then these people had built a house right next to it. And they asked me to come in because the spirit was harassing the sun. And you know, when you go into these situations, I'm like, people make it sound like they've got a full on about to be possessed. Things are, you know, flying across the room. You go in and like, okay, the reason he's throwing stuff at your son is because he thinks he's a lazy piece of crap. Get a job and the spirit will leave you alone. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, because this guy, he had died in like the 1920s. So, of course, he was wearing a top hat because it was part of his fashion. Yeah, that was the time period. Right. You know, he died in the 1920s, but he was more alive and active in like the 1800s. So it was very likely that he wore a top hat in his lifetime. And mm -hmm. when the house got torn down and rebuilt, he just he just shifted over because it was still his property. You know, <laughs> that's a great story. <laughs> I, I, that, yeah, because um, spirits, a lot of times they will, um, you know, take on the appearance of, you know, maybe their dress or how they like to think of themselves. Right. It was kind of funny because he was a little on the misogynistic side, but I guess it was like because he was mad that the son wasn't working and the mother was, which I kind of get because the, sure. the guy was old enough to be out on his own, but he was living off his mother's. That that angered the spirits. That's. Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, he so he'd show up as a dark figure with his top hat on like. So I definitely wonder if they're dark spirits because I actually talked about this on a previous live stream with Beth Zimmerman, I think. She's like a friend I met out in the woods in this crazy spiritual retreat one time. And we and I did a live stream with her and she talked about when she went into deal with spirits, and a lot of times the ghosts would like forget what they look like. They would forget what they look like. Well, how would they how would they, they appear? Just a lot mm -hmm. of them would present as shadows. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just kind of blobs. Yeah, blobs. like just creepers. And I've kind of wondered about that too. Like if these are people who are just kind of like trying to 
observe life because they can't participate and they forget what they look like. I have run into that. Hmm. So what do you make of um, a blob, let's say a discarnate spirit, and some, of course, will appear as like a black, maybe blob if they don't remember what they look like, and some would appear as a white blob. Do you think that's a choice, or is that like the colors of an aura can reflect someone's personality and their energy? I, you know, I think so. Because you think about it, a lot of people, because, you know, living people, people talk about seeing auras all the time. It would make sense that the spirit, while it may have forgotten what it looks like, forgotten the physical form, may still throw off their natural energetic colors. Mm -hmm. I don't wonder yeah. about that because that goes into orbs. I've always wondered about that because, you know, you see all sorts of colored orbs. Yeah. We're digging deep today. <laughs> I have wondered about that because I did a whole video um, death part two I need to do one that's just on spirits but because I, I focused uh, I have a series on death I'm like the first video was just about you know um, the practical side I guess would be a good way to put it like getting your paperwork in order preparing yourself but like the second one was all about like the spirits um, I thought I did a really good job, <laughs> but one of the things I brought up in there was like the different types of like hauntings. Cause you know, you've got like the recurring ones that are almost like an energetic loop. Right. Recording like ones. And I'm often, keeps playing over and over. Yeah. It's like, I wonder, cause you think about it, those would probably even if they're ingrained spiritually, they probably degrade because they're not being fed. So I've also wondered that when people see that, like, especially if you like buy an old house and like the same thing keeps happening over and over again, but it's weird. Yeah. I always thought about that with um, that recurring thing, whether there are in fact, um, spirits that are caught in this loop that are reenacting like actors or did this something happen as a result of this happening in the past like sometimes it happens during murders and really significant right. traumatic things and that somehow this the amount of energy that came off the people almost like left an imprint on the environment into the space where it's almost like this inner, even though they may have passed on this energy somehow is causing this loop, this playback. Like I had a, I came across, a, um, I had a conversation with a, someone who did some paranormal um, ghost hunting and that's kind of what he, the way that he saw, he didn't feel like there was really anything um, sentient or spirit that was still there, that it was uh, an imprint on the environment. And the almost like the ether that keeps playing and playing and playing. Right. You know, that's kind of, that's kind of what I think too. Not just because God, what a hell that would be. You know, like I, part of it, I'm not going to lie is they, it's the compassionate side of me, not wanting to see somebody trapped in a loop like that. So I don't know if that biases my decision, uh, my ideas about the situation. But also because there's no, it, it, when I go to try and interact with them, they, they don't see me. And that, that's the second thing I was going to say is that other people, plenty of people have tried to make contact with them and to talk with them. And they're, it's almost like it's ignored, like they're watching the television. Right. So that's part of why I think. And also, like, this is another thing. Like, I know there's certain spirits that, um, will only come out on certain like meteorological like if it has to be dark and gloomy for the for the video to play or you know only at certain times very specific times uh -huh. yeah yeah that's, that's interesting huh it's almost like everything has to come together and i wonder whether that you talk about the weather and everything i wonder if at the time that this trauma happened where let's say if somebody was murdered where these were the same environmental conditions 
and that wow. this imprinted on there so that when these conditions come together, then this thing plays. Right. Hmm. It's a, it's an interesting theory. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? Cause we were talking about the gin earlier. Mm -hmm. So we just drag them in there. What do you think? Do you think they kind of correlate to demons? How do you, have you run into them while working? Have you had to deal with them? Uh, I believe that there are, um, at least the way that um, Islam sees them, and if anybody's watching this and they want to correct me, I believe that's a, considered a kind of a separate class. I don't think they're considered um, uh, demons. Um, they're just more like mischievous, um, hostile um, spirits. In fact, in their tradition, they actually have a lifespan that they die at some point, which I thought was interesting because you don't think of entities that are usually ethereal dying like a human. Right. Um, um, I haven't, I can't say that I've consciously ran into them uh, as far as randomly, um, anything like that. Um, I don't, I haven't really worked seriously with them. I've, 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 I've dabbled a little bit with the gin to try to make contact. And I can't say that I was successful. So it's kind of. That's the worst than the latest spirit. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does undercomplicate things. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you want to talk about next? We're going to talk about the. Um, go ahead. I was about to say, you want to talk about um, Saint Expedite? Let's talk about St. Expedite. I know nothing about St. Expedite. Okay, perfect. So um, St. Expedite is a folk saint. Um, he was, well, the story goes that he was a Roman centurion that, um, it's hard to pinpoint exactly when that was, but we're talking about probably uh, first or second century AD. And he, um, found Christianity and because he was a Roman centurion, you know, that wasn't cool. So he was mar martyred and beheaded. So um, now from that, that's the historical story. Now the, the, the name St. Expedite came from one of the stories is that in New Orleans, and there is a chapel in New Orleans that actually has a St. Expedite statue uh, they received uh, some boxes with saint statues in it. And of course, you know, they had, you know, St. Joseph and a few other um, saint Catholic saints. And right. the priests were opening the boxes. And they came to one and it said expedite in it. So they opened it up and then there was kind of a Roman soldier. So they said, this must be St. Expedite. Uh and the joke is that it might be just like mail, like expedite as in, you know, get this to him <laughs> fast. So, yes. I kind of yes. hope the second story is true. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, um, what's, what's cool is that when we're talking about spirits, magic, and mythic figures and gods and goddesses, is that in a way it doesn't really matter uh, because with St. Expedite, so many people, and, and by the way, he's popular in New Orleans because of this. Right. He's popular in a lot of different places. Uh, like I told you earlier, um, he is um, connected to the voodoo loa, like certain ones, you know, each one has like a, a saint that they're connected to. Right. Uh, so people use him primarily for, um, emergencies. That's the number one priority. So you're down on your luck. You need to pay your rent. So um, you don't have enough money, you know, um, too much month than the money. So you pray to um, St. Expedite and you, you know, get his red candle. You say your prayer and then that's that. And then when he is successful and delivers it, 
then you do two things. Usually you'll give an offering and it's usually pound cake. And then you give a public proclamation. So now you know why I was telling you earlier about people are on my YouTube channel mm -hmm. going and saying, thank you, St. Expedite for these types of things, because these people know what they're doing. They've received something from St. Expedite and now they are giving public praise. So yeah, so now you see that the voodoo, the, maybe the hoodoo and voodoo link is that this is not how you normally treat Catholic saints. You don't usually give them offerings after the fact. Right. And um, usually, you know, not food and um, public praise uh, usually isn't required. I think I do like that, though, like tell a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but he is, um, he's considered one of the, like, you talk about the Saint, Saint Jude, um, Saint of Lost Causes. He mm -hmm. is kind of like, seeing, he's considered the um, saint of, like, emergency yeah. money and things like that, things that need to happen quickly. So he's used for other things, but primarily it's for those, for those types of things. So I wonder if he has any connection to Mercury, because that's, like, a lot of times. His day is Wednesday. Ha! Interesting. Yes. So that's accurate. I believe his his feast day is um, April nineteenth. Um, he was um, on the Roman Catholic liturgical calendar for a long time, and then in the sixties, they went through and they said, "Okay, we're going to look through and sort through all these thousands of saints we have." And we're going to see how much uh, written documentation and verification that we can have for our saints. And we're going to leave the ones uh, there that we can find information on and ones that we can't. So he um, actually was removed because I think there was a lack of documentation that they uh -huh. could um, get their, whole, their hands on. So, but that doesn't stop people from um, venerating him and, um, accessing his uh gifts that makes sense you know what this kind of brings up an interesting theory since we went back to let's kind of tie the whole thing together do you think um do you think of him as like being a thought form like something we've all kind of put a little energy into i mean that would especially with the public proclamations that's a that's a big energy move it is it is it's definitely um a quandary is this an energy mass or is this a an entity that um we're just at some point recognized and started to venerate and figured out how to approach him and that sort of thing um i don't know the answer uh but it's interesting mm -hmm, it's definitely something to think about I've always I've thought kinda, about that before. Right. I've always kind of had this idea that um, I'm not exactly sure. I think I picked this up about the time I started really studying Western occultism. If I used to watch uh, uh, Freighter Xavier. Have you ever mm -hmm. seen his channel? Mm -mm. Mind and Magic. It's okay. great. He stays, he stays pretty beginner level with a lot of his stuff. He sells a lot of classes, which I don't really get into. I think that's for his more advanced students. But, like, his beginner-level stuff is really great. And one of the things that he brought up was all about thought forms. You know, a lot of, uh, especially um, chaos will create these thought forms to perform a function. And yeah. I've always kind of wondered, like, if, you, if you're... It, you know, when you're doing that, you're kind of controlling the narrative of that thought form. But like, if you've got something as wild as like a spirit that everybody's kind of poured energy into and kind of created like a like a tulpa almost. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of wondering about the shadow people being like just like that. Well, that would be a horrible uh, thought form to even inadvertently create. Well, but you it, think about it, it, people do. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, it, I'm sure it happens. That would be, I guess, a consequence of, that would be like a, almost a con karmic consequence of um, 
thinking about things in a certain way and creating that massive energy. Right. When you think about it, like the, the kind of people who draw a lot of, so it's always either people who are just kind of starting to work on their crap, especially if they're getting into the craft, young children and people in bad situations. So I'm like, it makes sense that it would like follow that fear. Children being more susceptible so that energy Bob would seek them out because they're a more readily ready source of energy. Mm-hmm. And by the time you're an adult, you don't feed them anymore. Like, especially people like us who, you know, do energy cleansings or people who do not believe in spirits at all would cease to feed them. Mm-hmm. Just the thought. Yeah. Do you run up against, um, more like a, a parasitic entities around? Um, you know, honestly, not a lot. I think my ex was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, that's funny. Uh, honestly, like, I do think that at one point I was cursed. Like, an honest-to-God, real-ass curse. And, like, I'm pretty sure I know where it came from. And I wonder if, in that process, a parasitic entity wasn't attached to us because when i left as far as i know the thing like disappeared like it's almost ceased to be um we also had like a lot of vultures around which apparently vultures come when you break a curse like that's they just eat dirty magic i guess I've learned to love me some vultures. Like everybody else is like, <laughs> they're weird and crazy. I'm like, well, that fits right in with my brand. <laughs> uh, that's the only time I can think of that. I, I really ran into something that was, that was genuinely draining. You know, the only time I felt like, it was the only time I ever felt like I was honestly mildly possessed. Um, I, uh, I guess I have a, a theory and it's bared out a little bit in observations that um, they're parasitic entities, kind of like when you think about the shadow person, except probably not as advanced and thoughtful, because I think that you can think of them as like almost like single cell organisms, like not a lot of intelligence, right. uh, but that they are attracted to certain things, um, attracted to, I would say, strong uh, maybe negative states so we're talking about maybe strong anxiety strong uh, depression trauma and um i I believe that they tend to kind of connect to our our chakras and feed and it's a little it's like mosquitoes uh and you know a little bit of time they don't really it doesn't it's not something that is going to drain you a lot because I think that it'll they want to drain a little bit and stay under the cover, right? Of, you know, concealment. But one of the biggest things that they like is a lust, sexual energy. Interesting. Yeah. You know, if we th- think about when well, I use the metaphor of mosquitoes, you know, and vampires, blood is the life. Well, that energy, that lust, that sexual energy is what causes your know, creation and the human beings. So I believe they're able to kind of feed on that. Um, I suspect that at certain times when we um, get into these psychological loops revolving that particular feeling uh-huh. and that we get kind of get stuck there, I believe that they're feeding and that they may even do things to kind of keep it going because if they can keep it going, then they can feed more. That's, you know what? That's an interesting theory. Um, I, I remember reading like some, I can't remember which one, but there's certain insects that when they feed, they'll do something um, like maybe mosquitoes, they'll do something to your blood to maybe thin it out maybe and make it uh, digested easier it would be that sort of 
that sort of thing. Um, right. Which would make sense because that's why you get a mosquito, you know, when a mosquito bites, you get that lump. And I think, it, I don't remember exactly what they say it is, but I do know that that's, because that's how like the West Nile virus and uh, yellow fever and things are, are passed. Yeah, yeah. So um, strong emotions, strong feelings. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I think that um, in a way, you know, there are so many unseen species of spirits that we kind of live in a predatory universe. And uh, it would probably, we would be really conceited to think that we were the only predators that, you know, eat beef and chicken and, and all these other types of things. I mean, it would make sense, like, especially if it's, I mean, if it's a thought form or if they've developed somewhere on another plane, it would make sense that there would be something, as long as there's an energy source, there's going to be something feeding off of it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> especially the darker ones, since it would be more, you know, rampant. Oh, food for thought. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there is, um, you know, there's an idea that these parasitic entities and even um, spirits that are a little bit darker, that just like we, there's angelic hierarchies, almost like an army. And then there right. is um, the other kind, I guess the demonic, if you want to call it that hierarchy. And that what the and, lesser of Solomon's totally based on. Right. There's the dukes and um, the kings and all of these types of things. You know, and I know there's the idea that if you want to look cosmically, the, the idea of light against uh, darkness and type of things. Sometimes I wonder whether the parasitic entities are, are kind of part of that, almost like trying to, um, you know, oppress us in some way. You know, there's that idea of what in Gnosticism of the Archons, um, you know, as being these uh, lords that are trying to keep us in the prison of earth and all that sort of thing. You know, that kind of makes sense because one of the things like, cause I did, um, I was doing a lot of dream work there for a minute. Um, I, I was trying to lucid dream. I was trying to uh, astro project and do all that. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I think I almost did it more naturally, but every time I would, I would see something. It was almost, and it was usually something frightening, but a lot of times it was completely random. Like I remember seeing a parade of eyeballs one time. I'm like, okay. Mm. Like I thought it was, you know, it wasn't a dream because I felt very much awake at the time, but a lot of times, well, anyway, the point is that when I started studying it, a lot of people report, like, especially when they first start, that sense of unease and almost like something is trying to force them back in. Yes. I've had that experience too. When I started to learn how to do that, that I thing you're talking about. Yeah. It's like you're being, it's almost like you're being warned to get back in your freaking body. Like you're doing something unnatural. Yeah. Maybe. I always kind of wondered if that's not like, if, I've always wondered if that was a physiological response or if it's almost like an actual outside entity trying to, you know, scare you out of advancing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a good idea. I mean, I've never thought about that. That is there something pushing you trying to push you back, whether that would be something for your protection or something for your detriment, you know? Right. I know some people when they're um, astrally, astrally projecting, some of the earlier books, I don't um, know if this is still in the books, that there was this, when it's starting to happen, there's like this little bit of shaking that goes on. Right. And that it increases. And then at some point you're out. And they said that, that the shaking, it's almost like your body, your, your spirit, your body is trying to throw off your astral body. Um, actually, that that whole idea kept me from astrally projecting. It was one of those things that when I started to learn, because this was like in the, the 80s and maybe early 90s, uh -huh. it was, um, that was through a lot of the books. 
it actually prevented me from doing it because it, what it did was it, there was this long process and it may, it, you know, it's like when you try to do something, you're less successful at it. Yeah. So if you're trying to get out of your body and you're trying hard, you're just going to wind up back in your, in your body. It's just going to keep you earth, you know, right. Down. Yeah. Cause you wake yourself up trying to get into that gnosis. Right. So I had to learn how to completely go in a different direction and eventually was successful. I was able, and it didn't, <laughs> it's only really happened like a couple of times where I would, and I, I think it was more like I was dreaming of being in my room where I started to astral project where I would like get up out of my bed and then I would walk into like a dream world. Cause mm. I remember this one time I walked out of my room and I'm like, why does the wall keep changing? And I was talking to my roommate. Like I could not get my light in my room to turn on. I'm like, why is this not coming on? There's something wrong with the light switch. Why did the light switch disappear? Going under the, like, I'm just going to get out of bed and go. So I went out and talked to my roommate and he's talking sort of, it's clipped, but then I noticed that the walls are morphing. And I'm like, okay, oh, I'm actually asleep. And I walked out. I'm like, and I looked at the sky and the galaxies were like amazing. And I'm like, I'm just going to go fly. It was an interesting dream. And I was like, that, that was to me astral projecting. But yeah, like I started to dream off in my bed. Like I sort of woke up in my dream. A lot of things that I've read was that the next level, the first level of when you astral project is the physical world, like what you were describing. Mm -hmm. But there are things that are that are off. For example, the light switch wasn't there and uh, other things. It's almost like a, a poor copy of the physical world that you were just embodying when you were awake. So that's interesting. That is interesting because it felt just like the house. I was very much in my bed. It was just like it was. It was like a poor copy. Like it was a malfunctioning copy. Uh-huh. And then, I, you know, and then I walked out and I was like flying and I went to some arena and then somebody's like, Dottie, we got to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. It was interesting. So I definitely, um, I love your work. I'm going to have to watch more of your videos. I have, I have not watched a whole lot of videos because I haven't watched a whole, I've been watching a lot of junk because I've been trying to work on everything else, you know, it's like put on my busy talk and I actually want to pay attention to your videos. So I don't have to watch very many of them, but I do know that you've got a pretty successful channel. you got like over 2000 subscribers now, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, my whole goal with, with the, the channel was I try to keep it, you know, between eight to 10 minutes. I'm not always successful, um, but I try to give um, enough information to give people the basics and to point them in the right direction if they want to explore more or learn more. Um, that's why I'm covering a lot of different topics. Uh, I also kind of, when I was first thinking about the channel, because um, part of the reasons I think why we do channels is because we enjoy it and we get something out of it. And um, I was thinking to myself, you know, what would my inner child like? And I remember when I grew up and like I was talking about in the 80s, you know, I started out reading things in the public library in the library at school with ESP and UFOs and the Loch Ness Monster and the mysteries of life and psychic phenomena and stuff like that. And, you know, as time went on, you get interested in other things. I was like, what would I at that time period, what would benefit me? It's like, I need to watch, I need to produce the type of videos that I would have enjoyed back then if the internet existed in the sense of being accessible to mainstream public. So, um, you know, I never thought of it that way, but I realized that is also kind of what I'm doing. Like mine is more for, of course, it's more more for people my age who just don't have as much experience. Like, um, I don't know. It's almost like mine is more of a way to express my beliefs in theatrical form. I, I do like to do the theatrics with the costumes and the whole bit. I'm I'm learning. 
it's definitely a process. Yeah, yeah. I um I enjoy doing the videos. Um, it's um something that I I really look forward to. And I usually will go and do videos based on my own knowledge and maybe do a little bit of research and things. Um, I try not to do videos on things that I know zero things, zero about, you know, right. zero information about. I have and used then, videos as an excuse to go and study something like Tessiomancy. When I decided I was going to do the Tessiomancy video, I didn't know anything about Tessiomancy. I went and studied it for like a, a year. Yeah, yeah. That's what I feel like. Before I do a video, I want to kind of learn, you know, you know, a good deal about something. At least well enough to be able to, you know, express it. Okay, so let's uh, tell all two of our viewers. This was not a very lively live, live stream, but we had a couple people watching. Um, why don't you tell the folks if they're going to watch it again, uh, where they can find you and what all you're doing. Okay, so you can find me on YouTube. Uh, channel is Tales from the Mark Side. Uh, you can also visit uh, my attunement store. It's called Master Attunements on Etsy. I also have a uh, Patreon, Mark Henry. And on my Patreon, what I do is I add have additional videos. Sometimes it is the second part of the videos that I put on YouTube for people who want more information. Um, it's also gives people the opportunity to private message me um, about more in-depth questions that maybe uh, YouTube and the comments don't really allow as far as a good medium for that. Right. So, um, yeah, feel free to subscribe to that. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, I'd like to thank our patrons, uh, members of the Golden Dole. Is this a turtle? I thought that was cute. <laughs> Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Right. All right, y'all. Um, uh, till next time, safe travel and much profit to you.